This is the Deep Color podcast series. Deep Color is an oral history project where I talk with artists about their work and their lives. The ultimate goal here is to give listeners a better understanding about the experiences and people behind the artwork. My name is Joseph Hart. I produce and facilitate this series. These recordings are casual, straight on, and unscripted. This episode profiles Emily May Smith. Emily makes representational paintings that weave in and out of illusionistic rendering and graphic flatness. Her imagery is complex and meaningful, often embedded with art historical references and reoccurring motifs like an anthropomorphic broom character, cartoonish mouths that frame the edges of the picture plane, or oversized sunglasses covering a noseless face. The work is narrative and surreal, elegant and mysterious, and centralizes itself around the evocative power of symbolism and allegory. We recorded this conversation at her studio in the Williamsburg section of Brooklyn. Um, and then other people will either like it or not like yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's kind of it. And the other thing that I like to acknowledge is that, like this is sort of a this is a, a an exercise in paradox because it's a, a project that's about visual art, but this is only audio, so there's no real image to go along with it. Yeah, but I that think is that's challenging. interesting. <laughs> I think that's its strength, yeah. though. There's something gained, not lost, I think, when okay. we sort of take visual bias out of it in a way. Yeah. Or I don't know, there's something interesting that happens there. Um, but you seem pretty comfortable with language. I mean, based on yeah. the little videos I saw of you, you like you you like to talk about your work, or I, you're okay with it? I think so. Yeah, um, yeah I, think, I think I do. Um, you know, I mean, of course, there's like times where anxiety takes over yes. and, you know... Uh, uh, but I like to try. Yeah. I like to try to talk about yeah. it. And I, yeah, I do feel like I should. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, you know, I, I think trying to be generous, trying to share, um, that's, those are good things to do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I should I, do those. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, we can argue about w- the responsibility of the artist yeah. and what they should and shouldn't share or what's private, what's public, what we should broadcast. But it, it, if I sort of look in the mirror and like get selfish a little bit, I learn about my own stuff as yeah. I talk through it. Totally, totally. So I think there's, I think there's an advantage in that way. Totally. Um, so I encourage students and friends and people that are kind of they subscribe to that idea like, oh, I'm, I'm like this quiet, mysterious person, which is okay. Yeah. I'm that person too. But I think there's benefit to sort of like trying to find language to, to talk about what we do. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I haven't been teaching for a little while, mm-hmm. but I did learn a lot about my own work mm-hmm. when I was teaching. Yeah. And teaching, I mean, teaching undergrad, drawing one, like yes. not not teaching grad students. This is, this is very the beginning of school type stuff with mm-hmm. people who are a lot of uh, people who are 18 or having drawing for the first time or something. But, um, you know, I'd find myself having to put language to things that seemed so foundational yeah. to, to my, to me and mm-hmm. then realizing how important those foundations were. Yeah. Um, and, um, I don't think I actually realized how rooted in, drawing my own work was until I started teaching drawing a lot huh what uh talk about that a little bit more so so the 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 drawing underneath it all maybe yeah I think I mean I think the way for the past 
few years or really, I mean, I think the way that the way that I generally work is that I have a pretty clear idea what, what I want, what I have this kind of image in, in yeah. mind, Okay. And, you know, I have a, I have a kind of mental picture. Sure. Um, uh, usually it's a picture. Sometimes it's a phrase, but, um, and then I just try to capture that as quickly and efficiently as possible in my sketchbook okay. or on a small piece of paper. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, I'm going to say it's a, it's like a drawing cartoon, yeah. but I don't mean cartoon like funny haha. Yeah. I mean, cartoon like completely efficient, bare minimal, essential information drawing. Yeah. Like an abbreviated image. Yeah. Yeah. Like a gesture drawing. Yeah. So like, I see some of them behind exactly. you on your wall here. Yeah. Yeah. So those are thumbnail drawings for the idea for the painting. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, do those a few times and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to just kind of nail down this mental picture. I'm not thinking about what does the drawing look like? I'm thinking about, is this just like an efficient abstraction of the thing in my mind so that when I look at it, it, it triggers the image in, in mind again. Mm-hmm. And then that is, is the thing I use to kind of base the whole painting on. Right. These small drawings, these tiny little drawings uh-huh. that are, kind of nonchalant yeah and um and from there um sometimes i can go from there straight to the canvas uh-huh. um, especially with some of these mouth paintings or the paintings that are centered around like one image object mm-hmm. um the paintings that are very like laconic or really highly symbolic right um less less scenic more yes. of something right in the center yeah in space, not yeah. like a back, not like an environment or anything. And then, okay. and then other ones where there's a lot more going on, or there's more than one thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'll do a watercolor or a more fleshed out drawing. And I also draw a lot in Photoshop. Okay. So I'll do a lot of times a Photoshop drawing. Yeah. Um, to especially if if a painting is going to have a lot of um, structural or graphic elements, uh-huh. um, I actually find painting graphically harder than um, pictorially. Huh. <laughs> like hard edge painting is really hard for You've me. You've got both in your skill set. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your quiver is deep, but those things. It's yeah. interesting here. You say that that's more difficult for me. It's yeah. totally more difficult. Huh. It, uh, and because there's no fussy like you can't fuss it around yeah it's just right yeah or it's wrong yeah and that's the thing that comes back to drawing like line quality mm-hmm. like if that line quality just you know oh that line just got too fat in that part and you just oh the illusion's blown right or the story's blown or, right. or you're taken out of the picture and you're back to like that it's a piece of paint yeah uh, anyway so those things I'll go back to drawing. Sure. And then, and when I was teaching drawing, I, I was so obsessed with teaching gesture drawing because I, I just wanted my students so badly to leave the space of, I'm trying to draw good. Right. I'm trying to render the right. thing and just like capture what you see yeah. in the most quick way possible. Right. Tempo. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then of course, eventually I realized I was like, oh my God, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you do quite a bit of preparatory stuff before you get into the, 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 the act of mixing paint and using brushes. Do you have, do you pretty much, ha- I guess my question is, do you see the finished painting before you even start it? In a way, yeah. uh, in a way I do, I do a lot of preparation. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it's hard to say it that way. Cause it sounds like, Oh, the painting's just all execution. There's no mojo, but that's not true. Right. No, There's, I didn't, I didn't yeah. mean, well, I mean it you, that way. I know you didn't mean that. <laughs> I, I guess I'm curious because 
I'm going to reflect my own practice against it, but like I'm moving and waiting for the thing to present itself. Yeah. But I wasn't trained that way. I was trained more, build it in a preparatory manner. So you know what you're going to get and then start it. So I'm, I was just curious ah, to go back into okay. yeah. w- if you if you have it in your head and then it's just executing it or like, you know, what sort of adjustments happen along the way. I feel like it's, um, I'm going to maybe say it's like engineering. Yeah. And although I don't really know anything about engineering, so that's weird that I would say that. But, no, but I, I think I understand like putting the pieces together yeah. and how they rely on each other. Yeah, and sort yeah. of knowing how, you know, how, like I... I think like they're like building machines mm-hmm. um, and knowing, you know, this gear needs to turn that for that to go there. And mm-hmm. um, I can have the, the the image in mind of like this machine running and working. Yeah. Right. But then you have to make it. Right. And then it doesn't make it less beautiful or amazing. Right. It's constructing the machine is beautiful and amazing. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's yeah. this kind of... Uh, yeah, it's totally rewarding process. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of preparation. And then, um, but but because they're paintings and paint being a completely mushy, literally fluid substance, fluidity happens. Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. You are going to deal with flows and um, the sort of messiness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which inevitably is going to come out in the painting and... and um, it's so it's not just a you know one right. two three it's sort of like um yeah like i yeah i feel like building building this this strange machine yeah for sure do you use image image reference um sometimes yeah so as as i've painted over especially i'm going to say over like the past 10 years mm-hmm. um i finished grad school in 2006 um I have moved away from direct image references, mm-hmm. um, and I do use them, but as as I've just, over the past 10 years, painting, 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 the more I started to just trust that I could paint what's in my head, mm-hmm. um, I feel like my paintings got a lot better, and I started to paint the imagery that I really wanted to make instead right. of trying to find the image out in the world right. and then painting it right. because the world the world doesn't provide the image yeah. that I want um, but that's the invention that happens right in, yeah. y- in your in your own operating system yeah totally yeah. and yeah. and um, but for example in this little one behind you there's kind of a glacier uh, yes I you know looked up glacier on Google print out a bunch of pictures of glaciers and that's just a kind of amalgamation of some images of mm-hmm. glaciers in a quick way it's you know so you can see them on my table over here yeah so that's where where for instance i'm going to turn to an image reference sure um and um yeah so it's kind of fun like using my own weird drawings little drawings as the image reference i mean i've taken my own drawing scanned it in the scanner you know, cleaned up the paper, projected that, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I really want to get the line just the way I had it in my drawing, yeah. you know, that, that sometimes I use that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's kind of a variety of, of ways to get it, to get at it. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes, um, I'll have like a really specific color story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one painting 
that was in my show at Laurel Gitlin. Uh, it was the Medusa painting, and it in the background it goes from this this like really warm red to this extremely cold pink. Right. And there was this whole idea of making red to pink, but also moving through different color temperatures mm -hmm. with red to pink. So I had to kind of pre-mix out and really figure out the color before I did that. And then I, once I got it down and realized what pigments I'm going to use, you know, a quinacridone is going to make a totally different pink than an alizarin. So um, figuring that out, and then I had to make, you know, big piles of the paint. So I yeah. wouldn't run out of my ex exact color, right. right? And then, so that's another preparation thing. Sure. And it's completely to do with the materiality of paint. Yeah. But it's preparatory, but it's just so that you've got the stuff ready to go. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, you know, speaking of sort of temperature and hue and, color dialogue i mean one of the things that i that i noticed throughout your work is that you uh, you know still talking about uh process stuff um is that you've got a pretty great grasp on on executing a gradient um <clears throat> i it's funny like I'm, I'm i'm kind of not a great painter and uh i'm always curious when i see some sort of well-executed technical feat of, of blending um, colors together in such a way that it's almost photographic or, or I don't know, out of, out of nature itself as opposed to out of your hand. Mm -hmm. um, was that, a, you know, an uphill battle to get that going? Or am I underestimating the, the difficulty in getting these very delicate gradients? I mean, just that one with the, that's got the tongue sure. capturing the the, spi the spiky pear. You know, you've got like a peachy pale orange that goes up to almost a royal blue at the top, and there's everything in between. Um, that is a feat. Oh, a <laughs> feat. <laughs> well, I, uh, I mean, it the, the feat is really, it's moving. You have two colors that are basically total opposites, right? Yeah. And so you're going from one color in a seamless move to its completely opposite realm yeah which to me is is a i mean that to me is like that's a concept sure right so that's that's very conceptually interesting to me um and that so so to create this this sort of like transition across a, a, a boundary mm -hmm. right uh, like color space presents boundaries but if you sort of magically move through them, it's some sort of, um, I don't know, it's like a breakthrough. It's yeah. like you broke through this boundary. Um, so I think some of those those gradients, I mean, I'm really thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the gradients in the paintings kind of started coming from when, when I started painting smaller and I, I started realizing I didn't need to put everything I was thinking about at that time in one painting. Mm -hmm. And I started separating them out into different ideas and mm -hmm. images. And so um, I went through this sort of distilling process. And this, this also happened when I was kicked out of a studio and I had to work in my living room. It was just, you know, kind of a really super difficult yeah. time. But I um, started separating things, uh, separating the imagery, separating the ideas out into more discrete packages. Yeah. And then I played this game with myself 
and the, the, the game was put only what you really need in here. Mm-hmm. Put it only the essential stuff. Yeah, simplify it. And so, you know, I realized, oh, I just, I need like a color story in the back. I don't need a, a landscape in the back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes I do. But but it, that was that was this sort of distilling process that was so important for me to go through. And um, in a way, it was it was like trying to tell myself the truth sort of what is this painting really if you if you take it down to what it only really needs you might get more to what it's really about or yeah. you might have a more direct connection with the viewer or right. The, right the receiver of the image so uh yeah so that so i think like getting into the gradients was was sort of part of that like just creating a kind of space that could hold an image and then the space itself would communicate what the image was about. I had this studio visit with um, some friends um, before, this was even before my first show at Junior Projects. Mm-hmm. And, and <coughs> excuse me, we talked about how, I was saying something about how I, how I was trying to paint these images that were sort of secretly perverse. Yeah. And um, at the time, like I was painting some teapots and I was like, well, these teapots are actually really perverse. Mm-hmm. And then, they said, and it was three people in the room, so I can't remember who said it, but yeah. somebody said, oh, you know, a gradient can be really perverse. And I was like, totally, huh. gradients are perverse. You know, it's <laughs> this, because you're, because it has this taste problem, and you're, like, associating it with airbrush art, or, like, the 80s, yeah. or, you know. I, so, anyway, it was, and which which I've always been interested They're in. They're slippery of, in a way. Yeah, yeah, slippery. Love that word. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh so that just stuck with me. That's interesting. Sure. That's 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 a good point. Interesting. That's totally a good point. Um, I think there it's a it's effective. You know, for me, color compounds on itself. You know, put two colors together, something happens out a third. Oh, we're getting more complex. But when you have a gradient where it's there's not necessarily a clear distinction. You know, it's it's that soft blur from one color to the next to the next, and then you have more sharper colors on top. You know, it creates this this vibrancy and this space this like magical painting space i think it, it's it's really really fascinating to take in it was um i was making a painting i guess this was also a painting in my show at laurels um and it, this one the whole painting was purple and yellow yeah which are opposite and mm-hmm. um when i made i i pre-mixed a color gradient which was like 20 steps mm-hmm. like 20 d- you know from purple to this yellow and the whole p- the whole thing was that i was going to do it and not get into brown like right because y- you know usually you're you're as you're sort of shooting through color space you would pass through a brown to get from and so it was the whole idea was like to try to keep the color rich and yeah. colorful without getting muddy mm-hmm. and um and i kind of i made it and i was like all right i really nailed this uh I kept saying it's like I made a wormhole in space. Yeah, like <laughs> you avoided the brown. Yeah, like you <laughs> you kind of jump. You made like a you know a science fiction time warp jump leap thing from yeah. one space to another without going through some treacherous territory. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, so we've we've sort of gone through some of the procedural stuff that you that you um, have worked into your 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 way of making these things. And <clears throat> I think it, this was in, in the notes that I that I sent to you, but but I'm I'm curious about control, and when the, when an artist 
feels like they have control over the thing they're working working on and then when in turn the, the painting or the sculpture whatever it is they're working on starts to have control over the artist or when the artist loses control is there ever a moment in your process where you're like ah, i forgot where i was or where i'm going um or is this way of working sort of jump over those those challenges or those problems yeah there's definitely I mean, I definitely don't feel like I have some sort of total control over the whole thing, but mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think they control me. Okay. I, I think, because I think I show up to paint every day for the paintings mm -hmm. and for the paintings that aren't made yet, like for the ideas and for the, the images that I feel really compelled to do. And so in a way, I, I mean, I, you know, I have this. I have a very like blue collar background, so I have this kind of labor relationship that's like I'm showing up to work, yeah. And if I show up to work for the pictures and the ideas and the paintings, then they'll then they'll happen, yeah. And then they'll be good. Yeah, you have <laughs> to it, work on them. Yeah, but yeah. and you have to be available, right, to for it to happen, right. You know, and I, I think I listened to an interview. At, I think it was Tom Waits or somebody was saying how. You, yeah, he has to sort of shout out to the muses, like, I'm here and I'm ready to receive you. And you just have to be available. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, sh just showing up to do the work is being available. And and so in that way, like, they control me. Like, I'm the employee uh -huh. for the <laughs> for the <laughs> for the labor of the painting. Um, but um, um, as... I mean, painting is a, is a discipline, too, and you just keep doing it, and you get better at it. And getting better doesn't mean better at rendering or right. better at, you know, making illusions. It it actually also means, like, knowing some things about control and, sure. like, knowing what to put in, what to not put in, like, what to not yeah, put in. Yeah, restraint is Rest a huge thing. Oh, my God, totally yeah. huge. And um, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I... Definitely, there are paintings where I'm just, I totally lose control when I'm doing it, but then I kind of like get it back. Yeah. Like, oh, I thought this color would work and it doesn't. And right. like, ah, you know, and, uh, you know, meltdown time. Yeah. And then you just pull it off. And <laughs> that, I mean, that's that's really well said. I, I identify with this this sort of like showing up to work idea, the, the sort of putting the time in. And I think there's a reward, reward for me at the end of that with, with like, Oh, look how far we've come along or I've, I've helped you come along. You've helped me come along. And, and that's, I think part of showing up and also connected to yeah how I saw my parents working. They were gone all day or most of the day and would come home and be more sort of available for parenting and, and, I know, like the sort of going to work idea, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm getting at. And, and it sounds like that's sort of what you, yeah. you do in the studio. You're, you're like reporting in, in a way. Yeah, and it's it's this kind of, it's like I'm going to work, but I'm going to work with my hands, which is all I've ever really wanted to do. Right. Um, it's actually, my dad's a carpenter. Okay. So in a way, there's this thing like. Yeah, using know, hands. Yeah, using hands, making something out of nothing mm -hmm. or making, you know, building, building things. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, I think it's also a way for me to mentally get around that I'm, I'm self-employed. Right. right. And, uh, so, um, 
I don't know. I I don't like the idea that I, oh, I just go to my studio and hang out, and then yeah. you know, I'm like, no, that's not no, how it works. It's a little more serious than <laughs> yeah. that. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna like believe in it, yeah, yeah. I think it has to be more than this like sort of casual flip thing. Yeah, sounds like, like you agree with that. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, it's uh, I think it's just a reality. I don't know how it is for me to be in the city at this time with like the economic circumstances of now, the luxury. Yeah. To to like go to a space and make stuff with my hands all day. Yeah. Um, I feel really uh yeah, I feel like I have to show up. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. That's great. It's like, uh, um so maybe I wanted to share with listeners how I came to know your work. And I saw that show at Junior Projects, which I don't Junior Projects isn't around anymore. Right. But it was a small space um in Manhattan and you had a painting show there and in that painting show um and I knew the guy who ran the place and then I, I wanted to go it was one of the first shows that he put on no yours I think it was maybe his third show third show I think I think the first show was a group show yeah before me was um I think it was Stuart Elster I think is his name uh I, I think I was showing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in that show, if I can sort of like rake my my memory here, it was paintings that were not huge. They were maybe about the size of the stuff on your wall in here, which is like nine by twelve, eighteen by twenty four, maybe one larger one, like twenty by thirty, twenty by forty in there. But in there, you had um, some of the, some of the themes that I still see in your work now, but a little bit different. I, I, I think I remember seeing the, the broom character or the brush character. I remember seeing mouth paintings where the perimeter of the composition, um, was a mouth with maybe a mustache at the top with teeth. Um, but frames were important. I remember yeah. like, uh, these art nouveau kind of ornate framing, yeah. uh, um, uh, you know, things in, in the painting um i remember this studio as a word yes. popping up in those paintings um now if i could jump to your most recent sh- recent show in the city here i saw some of those some of those oh i should also mention that the works like dance between being flat and having more form and volume yeah um which i think is sort of one of the great things about your work um, it really sort of plays with space and application of paint and, um, yeah, I know it's kind of nice, but, uh, jump into your most recent show, the broom was still, ap- uh, appearing or the form of the broom, but yeah. maybe with the mermaid tail, mm-hmm. there was more environment, whether it was like a, like a rocky cliff or an ocean with a, an above below sort of divide going mm-hmm. where like there was the top of an island and below the island there was more portraiture or s- things that I would describe as portraiture totally mm-hmm. um am I am I describing sort of that that like journey from that first show to your most recent show because there's maybe that's like a what eight nine year span between those two actually shows? it's you are describing a you are describing yeah. the move, the moves. Um, yeah. Uh, but the time span is. Wait, <laughs> I'm counting. Uh, I think the show was it 2004. Ju- no. No. 2014. That was, was 2014. Junior project. Oh, okay. I'm missing <laughs> missing one. So that wasn't so so, so long ago. So it's ago. only like three years. Okay. 
So c- compress my yeah. time. Three years. Um, uh, maybe could you could you walk me through sort of the new imagery? I guess. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, the the mermaid seems like a. Um, something that's been important or even the broom like the motif of the broom seems like kind of a muse yeah so um so let me think like how to kind of go from one from that first show um i think just to speak really broadly um the the framing and the words the studio Mm -hmm. and that stuff that's going on is is kind of a way for the paintings to declare themselves as self-aware yeah like this painting knows it's a painting and is dealing with the trajectory and history of this structure (laughs) which is by the way problematic yeah and um and um and i was kind of trying to do that in like this really direct head-on pictorial way Mm -hmm. um and then sort of some references to art history um, start coming up, other painters. um, You know, I did a painting with like a Liechtenstein mirror in it. Mm -hmm. And um, then as as I kind of worked through a few shows, I started getting interested in sort of like more specific time periods or... um, specific paintings themselves to kind of delve into and um before this recent show with simone i uh i was really really heavy into symbolist painting so um i was in europe a lot last year Mm -hmm. and just going through all these you know fantastic museums and collections yeah i I could feel that sort of a european thing going on super weird paintings that that i i just i wasn't educated about they kind of aren't part of my art history education like i feel like i don't know symbolism is was sort of like yeah this weird stuff kind of happened and modernism yay you know and then i just um i just kept being captivated by these bizarro paintings and um i just wanted to know a lot more about them and i felt like they were super weird super psychological they were kind of they seemed to be coming from a world that was in transition and in pain Hmm. and Thirdly, I felt like a lot of the sort of problematic imagery in these works was codifying the way things would look for the next 100 years. Ah, okay. I, I feel like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, just, I feel like uh, the theme of the evil woman and the, uh, the sort of like female figure as like seductress, but also like, you know, evil uh, possessor is is really codified in that time, yeah. and then the figure itself becomes. What is that? <laughs> like trucks. A, trucks outside. Oh, you got a fire truck. Out okay, there. that's okay. Um, becomes kind of nailed down as as a theme, and then and then and then like moving through modernism, it's like the figure itself means all that bad stuff. We yeah, have to yeah. take it out, and then um, yeah, I don't know. So I so I just got really into these paintings and. Um, you know, I'm not an academic and I'm not an art historian. And, uh, you know, so I'm sort of like fumbling around trying to learn about this, you know, them and getting books. And, um, so, and I, I guess I just felt like there's a lot of parallels to sort of where we're at socially right now. Um, you know, geopolitical sort of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I feel like we look, we look now just like, 
the 19th century with this like great gap of wealth and yeah. the divide growing. And I don't know, there's just, it just felt like those, these so, these so strange paintings just spoke to me. And so I feel like a lot of the elements um, in them or the, the methods with which they, they sort of created meaning were affecting how I wanted to make my show. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even the name of the show, um, the Sphinx or the Caress, is, right. is a shortened, is shortened from the title of a symbolist painting, um, which is called Art, comma, or the Sphinx, comma, or the Caress. Right. Um, I had the show at Junior Projects, and then in my show at Laurel Gitlin, mm -hmm. there was sort of like a, a, a mixture like I had this Medusa painting yeah. which was like mythological and then I had this painting with the Liechtenstein which is kind of like pop art and yeah. so I was kind of like mixing all of this stuff and then as I've made more shows I've been able to kind of separate those out more thematically right. so I, I could kind of have this like sort of show more geared toward one special interest right um, plus I think in, in addition to mixing all those art history references you're adding your own components to it right oh, I, I mean, mean that, totally I mean, yeah let's not forget that yeah. like how much of your your own these things you have in your own mind are layered on top of that right like the the glasses or the portrait um the broom character yeah you know, all these sorts of things keep coming in on top of those references totally yeah. and it's it's kind of like um in a way I mean looking for I mean, the symbolist painting, the idea is that you're, you're painting something that doesn't exist, mm -hmm. right? And, and so, um, like, you're painting, you know, s s states of mind or, right. you know, fantasies or, you know, fears or whatever, which, you know, you can connect that to surrealism pretty quickly. But I think you can also connect that to, actually, modernism, which is, like, you know, abstraction like yeah. painting something that's not there yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know so um so i don't know in, in a way i'm trying to kind of paint like conditions in the work or or the conditions surrounding making painting <laughs> you know for me yeah um and and so there's this thing of like painting being so present and containing everything that is existing on the service at that time, yeah. but then painting also trying to paint something that's not there. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so, a trick. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, yeah, I'm sort of rambling, but no, 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 it's cool. Uh, Some of the, uh, um, you know, I watched this little video earlier that, uh, last week, knowing that I was coming over, and it's it was like a little video portrait of you working in the studio, oh, yeah. and and the the person maybe filming or whatever off camera, I had a feeling asked you to like you throw out a few words to describe your own work. Yes. Do you remember, do you remember what words you threw out? Um, I remember this happening, but yeah. I, I, I can't remember now. What so I said. surrealist. Uh -huh. um, that's the one that jumped to, that like jumped to my mind. And would you still use that word to, to do, as like an adjective for your work? Sure. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, in a way, yes. Or are there yeah. any other words in this moment that you'd throw out there? Um, I kind of always thought there should be a word like meta-realist. Okay. Which I think exists for literature. Mm -hmm. um, 
which is sort of like, yeah, like metaphysical realism or yeah, something, yeah. <laughs> or I don't know. Uh, Fantastic is one. Yeah. Like the, 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 for me as a viewer, there's a fantasy component component to these in that you're creating this really bizarre space with these um, almost characters in them that are anthropomorphic. They're not human. They're not, they have human attributes, but like this one right here is a candle with sunglasses and a mouth. Yeah. Um, I've mentioned the mermaid. I've mentioned the broom. Um, but there are these sort of, these like fantastic settings the the color dialogues can feel fantastic to me um almost too good to be true at sometimes mm -hmm. um i don't know did, would you accept those do would, or those sure, off, yeah. off mark yeah i mean you know fan fantasy is is a kind of place but you meant fantastical like yeah yeah you know. not like with Dun dungeons and dragons right, fantasy. right yeah but but you know the Sure. I mean, I, I do, I do, yeah, I do relate to kind of like a fan, fantastical. Kind yeah. Of, just as a yeah, descriptor. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, how, okay. So, uh, I like science fiction. Okay. Um, Margaret Atwood doesn't like when people call her work science fiction. Right. Cause she says it's speculative fiction. Ah, okay. Cause these things can really happen right where she says well science fiction is like time travel and all right, this stuff. Right, although right. i would say there's an argument where a lot of science fiction people don't like time travel yeah 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 <laughs> but anyway but so i sometimes feel like the kind of game of words she does with that i yeah. i get that i'm sort of like yeah um because there's there's a there's a place where the work can be surreal or fan fantastical but you know, there's something really true and often like really painful that I'm kind of trying to get to. Yes. And so it's not, it's not a wonderful dream. It's like, no. it's like a nightmare. No, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, there's a, there's a kind of, um, yeah, some of these pictures are unsettling. Psychic space and, and, um, I'm not going to say story, but like account of events that are troubling. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, so that's maybe where I, I, I get into that, like I, the language of fantasy, but sure. how, or, but, but like, um, I mean, you know, uh, in dealing with like, um, you know, the idea of like the figure of the woman, right. for example, like the object of so much fantasy and yeah. projection. Well, I was just thinking like, that's the root of fantastic is fantasy. Yeah. And fantasy is like this desire usually that yeah. we want. And and I don't think like that use of the word <laughs> right. I would use. And maybe maybe like, you know, I'll pull back a little bit. And, and yeah, I don't know that that like some of these spaces I would want to go into or I, some of your portraits or your, the characters, um, you know, I don't have like, like dreams to meet them or something <laughs> right. like that. Yeah. So to go back into yeah. like the, the more like sort of like, you know, scary element or, or, you know, unsettling element or like discomfort maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, language I mean, is tricky. Yeah, you know, anxiety, yeah. <laughs> uh, anxious. Uh, yeah. um, um, it's funny how, I don't know why, it really parallels, I think, where we are with like politics or something, but mm -hmm. I feel like we've gotten into a very fundamentalist space with 
talking about painting mm -hmm. and it really disturbs me because it, it it's like people say stuff like oh that has a cabbage in it and I don't like cabbage so I don't like that painting right. and it's sort of like what yeah. you know when did we get into that cabbage yeah. mint cabbage yeah and, you know uh I think like several years ago, people were like, oh, like you painted a gun in the painting. Do you like guns? Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't paint what I like. Like I don't put in a painting. I like this. That's right. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? Yeah. I wonder if it's just people <laughs> wanting things to like be easier yeah. or something like that or like don't want to ask questions about themselves or the thing too much. It's sort of like I need a, like a very easy math problem and yeah. visual math problem and that's it like oh there's a cabbage in there i don't yeah. like it like that's that's such like a like an easy leap to yeah. make like come on i mean yeah it's sort of like well you know i don't know if you've noticed but we live in a really violent terrifying world and mm -hmm. you can't go one day without seeing a gun on tv or in yeah. a movie or you know or on a so, poster in the yeah, subway so it's sort of like I, you God. know it's it's like an image is out there yeah. it's, it's not guns that's another thing that pops like, up in your paintings yeah. like a smoking gun yeah the smoking gun the smoking gun the, yeah, where's the smoking gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's never the full gun. It's only the barrel. Yeah. Usually it's like cropped. Totally. Interesting. Um, so there's a Magritte, yeah. there's a Magritte painting yeah. with a sort of gun barrel in it. That's right. like ground zero of where that gun barrel kind of comes right. from. Um, and um, it's one of these sort of really crazy like post-war paintings that he's made, which you can really feel the kind of post-war condition. Mm -hmm. uh, and, there, and, and there's just this really long weird gum barrel like in anyway it's wonderful but I, yeah. I was definitely sort of looking at that yeah when that image kind of came around and in, in my work um, um maybe we could took uh maybe we could put art down for a second sure and go into biography you mentioned you had like a excuse me blue collar upbringing well, it's, I guess blue collar is wrong. Maybe more like just like working class. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Where, where, where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up in Texas. Um, I was born in Austin, um, but we moved to a very rural area about 70 miles west of Austin when I was four or five. Um, so we moved to the country, uh, sort of, you know, just extremely rural, mostly farms around. Um, it took about 30 minutes to drive to the nearest town where I would go to where I was going to go to school. Mm -hmm. So I, I went to kindergarten through high school in this small town uh, called Fredericksburg. Fredericksburg. And um, and yeah, so our, our house was um, out kind of in this isolated rural area. Uh, my dad built our house himself. Being the carpenter. Being the carpenter. Yep. And um, it was... Um, you know, I was, I was really like played outside all the time sure. and just this kind of like country life. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so so uh, I started driving actually really young because when you live that far out and then you, you know, you need to start doing stuff like you need to start working. Yeah. And so my dad taught me how to drive when I was like That's 12 also or like something. the first <laughs> taste of independence, <laughs> yeah. too. I mean, yeah. as someone who grew up somewhere rural as well yeah. it's like learning to ride a bike i can my boundary <laughs> just got expanded yeah car same thing yeah totally mm -hmm. and so there's this uh there's true there's this kind of like boundary expanding thing that i definitely i mean i remember when i was really still pretty little i thought i want to live in a city hmm. one day mm -hmm. like i really kind of i've i i sort of craved uh 
whatever I my rudimentary concept of culture was. Yeah. And um, other people, um, I you know I do feel like it was very isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt very isolated yeah. uh, physically and psychologically. Um, and um, you know there there are things that were going on in my life and like family things and you know just like stuff that would emphasize right. that sort of sense of isolation right <laughs> and, uh, you strike me as the type of kid that was drawing a lot oh totally yeah, yeah. were you the drawing kid uh, yes yeah yeah do you remember some of your early influences or what you were looking at um, as, a, as a kid um um gosh i'm gonna go like way 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 back to like little little kid mm-hmm. like before you know how to read mm-hmm. um i remember i had a series of drawings I think they were they were all like based on hearts, but they were like different hearts that would personify different things. Like this one's the Western heart, and like this one's like <laughs> like the shape of a heart, like yeah. a Valentine heart. Yeah, okay. but like it had, but it was like, and I don't really remember. I just remember that there was this like thematic re- repetition, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because now like there's a thing I do that sort of <laughs> yeah. connects to that. Um, and then. Um, <coughs> Uh, when I got to that age where you start realizing that you can, that you draw like stuff that you look at instead Mm -hmm. of just like your stuff in your mind. Um, my mom's really good at drawing and painting and she makes watercolors. It's not her profession. It's basically, Mm -hmm. uh, something she just does. And, um, she taught me how to use a kneaded eraser to like create, you know, modeling to create shadow and light on images Mm -hmm. and so um i remember getting the sears catalog and i was like drew every figure in the catalog like trying to kind of like get better at drawing people yeah and and, like then i would draw these sort of faces with and use the you know draw the faces of like the model in the magazine and i would use the eraser to kind of like make it look real or like make it look Take you know, the edges off, and maybe get some yeah. some like uh, Subtle, dimension yeah. and, and shadow. And I was in like fifth grade. Yeah, and I was like, I really got that needed eraser thing down, and it sort of blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know. Those are just funny things, but but in a weird way, I, I like I'm still doing faces, and I still yeah, you know, it's um. Plus, I mean, even the sort of space, the you know, the 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 form that you're articulating through the way you're using oil paint. I mean, from a distance. You know, one could just sort of like lazily assume that these are executed with an airbrush, um, but they are not. Yeah, and I don't, I don't have anything against it. I mm-hmm. just, I just have never used one, and I don't yeah. know how. And I, I've never. It's just not my. Uh, yeah, but you're getting like a, a softness to the way you're using paint that, you know. I, I, I guess I'm just trying to draw a connection from this needed eraser modeling, Maybe. getting a soft edge, with what what I'm seeing now. Yeah, maybe that's that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Then in a way, it's like, um, yeah. I guess in a way, that's like the first way to get a gradient. Yeah, the way it was for me. For sure. Um, and then you you studied art formally. Yes. So eventually. Um, so I I was already really into art in high school, mm-hmm. and um, I had a group of friends, and we all kind of were like the art nerds or something. Yeah. So yeah. we you know we we did creative stuff and art stuff and. Um, then so when I 
okay, so right after I graduated high school, I went to the Art Institute for the summer program. I think it was like two weeks long. In Chicago? In Chicago. Yeah. My, my, um, actually, my aunt sent me to that, um, and it was a present from her. And I think it was the first time I got on an airplane. Oh, wow. So I was 18. And I flew to Chicago, went to this like summer program in this big city, and you know, by yourself, by myself, yeah. And um, it was mind blowing, and I totally loved it, and you know, made friends, and um, also, but this was the thing, like, also was around a bunch of people who were really good, right? You know, because it's one thing to be like, you know, I'm good at drawing in my yeah. in my high school yeah. of everyone's of asking like, you to do a t-shirt design for them or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and you know, yeah. it's just like, like you're in a little town and like yeah. there's a few people. So so you know, you got to go to the Mecca and like find your tribe, right? Yeah, so yeah. so um then I was around all these people who were really good and I was like, "Damn, I got to get better." Yeah. <laughs> um but it was really fun and I and I had never been around so many people who, you know, wanted to make stuff and just like you know, paint and talk about it. And, um, so it was just totally wonderful. And so, and uh, I had already applied to college. So I, I knew I was starting university of Texas at Austin in the fall. This was 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already declared that I would be an art major. Um, and I just stuck with it. Cool. So yeah. So I, I just, I did art major. That yeah. was it. This is a, you know, this is a, you know, tricky question, but is there a standout moment or lesson or sort of like a um something you know of of impact during your uh time studying art that it was like the biggest takeaway or the best thing um gosh um i i mean i remember like in in undergrad i had a i had a really great group of friends who were just so into we were all just so into it and we were super serious mm-hmm. and um I don't know. I feel like that's so important. That was yeah. just like so completely important. Yeah. Um, that support structure. Yeah. 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 And, 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 um, yeah, I don't know if that's it. That's, I think. that's plenty. I think. Yeah. Um, if you could be a different type of artist Ooh. or, or, you know, if we, if we acknowledge that there's the art world's a big thing Okay. and it's, it's a, there's art worlds, there's different, aspects of it maybe for example like you know as a kid i wanted to get into special effects like monster makeup and stuff um and there's you know part of me today is like wow that may have been kind of fun although it would be out of a job because cgi now sort of taking that over right but if you could leap into a different world of art okay or or a thing is there something that comes to mind um just a fun question okay this is this just sounds so I sound like a megalomaniac or something, uh-huh. but I always thought surgeon would be awesome. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I'd really like to cut people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or like tinker with, uh, you know. No, uh, I get it. Like the surgical arts. Yeah. <laughs> sounds really interesting to no, me. No, but you know, you know, we're sort of talking about procedure or developing yeah. the system, this way of working um, and being efficient and getting these, you know, things out of our maybe there, you know, we're yeah. not getting things out of our head in, like as we cut open or perform surgery yeah. but there's something maybe technical yeah technical. that i can that, uh, that i can sort of see how you move through and like precision yeah, yeah. and yeah. uh um i don't know there's like a high stakes i guess yeah and i you think okay emily these paintings they're not high stakes <laughs> it is painting right but i don't know when you make representational painting like there is a stake right because yeah. you're like 
how far does it represent? Like right. how li- I don't know. There, so there's like to me, there's like stakes and all these things yeah. that that are. Um, yeah, you want to honor the thing yeah. that you're creating, but also honor yourself at the same time. Yeah. So it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I was curious, and this is something that uh, a friend in common suggested I ask you. Uh, sort of trying to talk a little bit about the relationship between illustration and realism. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned at the front of the conversation I was trained to, to work a certain way. I studied illustration. Um, and if we, if we define illustration as creating something that is clear but also inventing along the way as one definition, and realism is depicting the thing as it is as closely as possible accuracy yeah um is that if we look if we use that as a lens or or you can add to it or take away from it but where do your paintings fall into that those into those two sort of spheres and some people don't like illustration they think that's like a dirty word i'm not one of those people so i hope you're not offended by it i'm not i'm not um um, it's you know that's i'm totally not trained in that way yeah um i'm really trained like my major in school was studio art and I got an MFA and yeah. I, you know, when I was doing my MFA, I was just painting yeah. um, all through undergrad. I was mostly painting. I mean, I did other stuff you have to, but what I liked the most yeah. and what I felt would be my focus would be painting. And I can't say I was really trained. I mean, you're taught like, Oh, you know, yeah, maybe you, that, maybe I shouldn't use that word. Trained. Well, yeah, but like you rinse, you know, you rinse yeah. oil paint out with mineral spirits right. and like, you know, but, but other than that, it wasn't, there wasn't really, um, it wasn't that academic. Yeah. So it, it's not it, like refrigerator repair. You're trained to re- right. repair a refrigerator. But, it, but like there are schools where you go and get neoclassically trained. Like, yeah. you know, when I, and I didn't have that, I sure. mean, it was mostly a lot of my, my favorite teachers were, you know, artists who had experience being artists and, you know, we talk so much about just like being an artist in the world and they were all about like facilitating you creating whatever your vision was yeah. and, and you have to find your own way with your materials. And, um, so, so, um, but a lot of people ask me, oh, do you, do you have like an illustration background or design background? I'm like, no, I, yeah. I have like an art background and like a painting background. Um, some, you know, you know, more like post-war painting, yeah. art history, postmodernist kind of you know, background in, in terms of like theory. And, um, so I, yeah, so I, I sort of started in a way, like I started using elements that were coming out of pop art and illustration and, um, and like, even looking at like package design and stuff like that as a way to kind of be irritating. Like I just thought of it as that was my way to be bad. Yeah. Like to kind of be like, fuck you. Like <laughs> while you're, while you're studying art. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, like to me, that was a way to be uh, confrontational mm-hmm. to a kind of like academic yeah, yeah, yeah. rigor, you right, know, right, like right. it was so, and I was always kind of attracted to like the problem of taste and what, you know, where does good taste and bad taste lie and what are the qualifications of creating something that everyone, you know, believes in is taste. Like, right. so, so, which later for me would get into like, you know, how like gender breaks down in like art history and, um, you know, you know, the, the sort of like hidden construct of where, where, 
you know, people have been suppressed. (laughs) So, so, um, in a way, like I, I always kind of was attracted to designed things and illustrations and like pop and like packaging and like low, low brow. Yeah. Um, as a way to sort of needle something. Yeah. No, I think it's effective. Um, and, and, and yeah, like I, again, like I don't do tons of research in this stuff, but, but you know, I, I find, yeah, I find, I find things and I, 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 you know, I can say like, I also spent a lot of time when I was a kid looking at like airbrushed greeting cards and I was really into them, sure. and, you know, <laughs> and like, and like later on, I always thought I'm going to find a way to bring that into my work. Yeah. I'm going to find a way. Yeah. We do that. Right. We take <laughs> notes. Like we, yeah. we see the world around us, make mental notes of it, maybe even snap a pic these days with our phone. And then that's, that acts as a springboard for some ideas sometimes. Yeah. So, so that kind of, um, it doesn't necessarily make so much sense now at this moment, but Mm -hmm. it was was like a form of rebellion. No, that, yeah. And, and to kind of like get into, um, you know, in, in graduate school, my work was a lot more pictorial and a lot more sort of like technically painted in a way more traditionally pictorial but I was painting like a lot of like lowbrow images and objects but I was trying to paint them really well Hmm. like in this kind of you know this is a really labored painting of a thing that's like mass produced right you know um and over time um that relationship just kind of like found different languages like that kind of way to do a low high combination I also think it's a it's a good vehicle for 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 you know nudging a narrative towards the viewer of some sort. Totally. And I and I do get that out of your work. Like there's a story being told to me um, that I that I like to invent for myself, and I think realism and illustration are good tools to do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I um, there is like a need to communicate. Mm-hmm. I, I do feel a really strong need to communicate um, in, yeah, it's. Um, it's not a clear narrative. No. And I don't think it, I don't think I'm looking for clarity. Like what's the story here? And I'm not, when I, when I, when I talk to artists, I'm not like, explain what this is. Yeah. Like th- I don't think there's much value in that. I think, I think that's left. I don't know. I think that's sh- that's like a more personal thing. Well, it's sort of like yeah. okay, you know, like cats. There's cats and there's dogs, yeah. right? So cats are like they don't care. They're sort of like I don't care if you even look at me. I don't yeah. care if you know me. Yeah. I don't care if you know what I'm about. Like I don't care. Yeah. You know, they are just constantly. They're like yeah. Don't don't care. They're otherworldly in a way. Yeah. Cats. <laughs> Whereas dogs are like hi, can you pay attention to me or like notice me and like interact or something? And I mean, I'm more of a dog and I feel like my paintings are more dogs really. Huh. Like they, you know, they're, they want to, they're, they're sort of like, hey, uh, yeah. you see, see me, see this? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, they're not cats. They're not like, you'll never know what this is about. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'll that's, never get enough school or theoretical education. To, <laughs> that's, that's a great way know. to put it. Um, uh, maybe we could, I, I want to take a second to describe your studio since that's where we're sitting. Okay. Uh, so against the back wall here, it looks like it's mostly packing materials. It's cardboard. There's maybe a painting that's wrapped, 
a few paintings that are wrapped ready to go out or maybe they're coming back those are blank those are blank <laughs> so they're they, they need to get made um in the center you have a few work tables um holding jars of brushes you've got a glass surface for all your oil paint you've got folders with images in it um there's another sort of painting table with a small is that called a french easel these like sort of portable tabletop easels. Yeah, I just, I don't even know. It's just an easel, a little one. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have a few works, I think mostly in progress, maybe some are finished at the far end there. Um, But all in maybe what, 10 paintings, Um, some drawings tacked to the wall. And then against the the window wall here, you have like a a long table with a computer set up, uh, a, a bookshelf and some plants, a humidifier. I mean, it's a painting studio. Um, I have a computer. You have a computer. Yeah, I said computer station. Yeah. That's for maybe your Photoshop work or mm-hmm. some, some of the composing that happens digitally. Um, and I know you mentioned when I came in that you're sort of in between, ready to ramp back up. But when things are really humming in here, does it feel more... Ca- I mean, this feels pretty pretty organized are you an organized painter or is it sort of go does it get crazy in here i'm pretty organized i mean there's not there's never like weird you know paint rags and stuff all over the floor i'm just like paranoid about fire yeah (laughs) yeah i I am really stuff is flammable and yeah so i i I mean i try to keep it clean as a kind of like a safety thing Mm -hmm. um but when it's when it's really ramped up in here there's like you know several paintings on each wall mm-hmm. there's basically two walls you work which on I paint more on. than one at a time yes yeah so i'll have which you know i do right now it's just that most of them are small sure um so i know uh, what sometime i'll have them all be bigger and um so you know there might be like six paintings hanging okay. at the same time and um i work at them all at the same time pretty much yeah um, sort of like rotating or is like i want to spend time with you or you're being a pain in the ass i'm moving over here like what i'm always curious when people work on more than one thing how they sort of navigate which one to pay attention to yeah so okay so it's kind of like okay it's time to get this you know it's time to get this painting going it's time to get it started um you know i might draw on it start putting the first layer on and then you're like okay that has to dry yeah that has to dry now i'll go start the next thing right so while that's drying you go to this part and then um, a lot of them happen in layers, and um, so I do find myself needing to let you know work with drawing time, yeah. finish one thing, and let it set so that the next part that I put on, if it looks bad, it doesn't ruin what I just did. Right. So um, you know, in a way, more so working on multiple paintings, you get to not just sit around and wait for one painting. You're not yeah. watching water boil, right? Right, so, right, right, right. <laughs> so, um, so it's just like kind of a way of being efficient. Sure. And um, also to keep it interesting for me and to not get bored, but because there are often parts that aren't fun to paint. Mm-hmm. It's not all fun, right? It's like, I mean, sometimes my work will have patterns or like um, little detail lines that are just kind of a matter of getting it done. Yeah. And I enjoy that, but then there's a part where they just, you know, uh, gotta yeah. just get this done. Let's put on a good podcast and yeah. get it done. Yeah. Um, but if you know that it's not the only thing you have to do, it helps just get it done. For sure. Um, and sometimes I'll have like watercolors going on on the table over here. Um, and, uh, yeah. What, uh, you know, speaking of like those moments where you, there's like a pattern or something that's not as fun. 
to work on versus the stuff that is more joyful to work on? What, you know, you mentioned you might have something listening to, but are there, I'm always curious what the psychology of, is, of an artist while they're working, are they, what sorts of things are thinking about while they're working? If there is an area where they can sort of space out and wander, is, is it just life or, I mean, do you solve other types of problems besides the problem in the painting while you're working on these things? Um, yeah, it's, uh, gosh, um, it's weird. There are parts of working on the painting where, like, I can't listen to anything with words. Yeah. You know, there's just this moment where a lot of decision making and kind of like judging of, actually, there, are, yeah, when I'm trying to judge like color choices. Yeah. I was going to say, like, important decisions that yeah. need to be made it's got to be quiet yeah 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 or 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 i'll have music on but it just can't have words for some reason language really bothers me there yeah. um but then if i'm um working on a, a defined pattern that i've come up with and it's just um it's just like pure technical execution i want to listen to a podcast or an audiobook or something to kind of keep me like entertained yeah pass the time yeah so i need like passive kind of entertainment mm-hmm. um but uh, I, so I, I do listen to a lot of music. Um, a lot of music I listen to does have words, but you know, there's like there's choices sure, of what sure. kind. Um, uh, Excuse me, I've got uh, this cough. I've got to so. deal with here. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, no, it's great. There's a lot of time where it's just nothing. Yeah, where it's just quiet. Yeah, quiet is good. I, I'm doing more and more quiet myself, which I find. Time um, is weird when it's quiet. I feel like I can measure better when there's audio or things playing. And I like not, I like trying to forget about time sometimes when I'm working. Yeah. Um, th- maybe this is better, better use of the word fantasy, but if you could have a fantasy, <laughs> <laughs> if you could have a fantasy studio visit, uh, someone alive or dead, artist or not artist, come through and hang out with you while you are in here. Um, does anyone jump to mind? Oh my gosh. Um, We can pass on it. Too. I know. I don't know. I I was I really loved Prince. I was a really big Prince fan. Yeah. I mean, people who know me know that. And I'm really mad I didn't get to meet him. Yeah. I'm so sad when he died. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess there's something about like his creative process with songwriting that I just aspire to mm-hmm. in a way. I sort of know a little bit about how he did his creations yeah. and like. I don't know, in a way, I'd like to talk about the creative process with Prince. Yeah. That would be fun. I mean, he was a genius. Uh, yeah, he oh, was man. a genius. Yeah. That'd be great. All right, maybe I'd like to ask him about his creative process. Yeah, for sure. To interview him. <laughs> um, maybe we can shift into um, the ethics of art. Yeah. I, I, I think I texted you about this the other night. Yeah. Maybe something we could talk about. And I guess we could, we could go at it a, f- a couple different ways. Uh, on one hand, it's like, you know, we're just talking about prints like, um, you know, there's I, I guess it's been defined as the reckoning right now with all these um, disgusting men going down for their, you know, their sexual misconduct or yeah. their rape or all these terrible things. Some of them are artists or performers um, or musicians. Um, and there's a dialogue about like, well, maybe we can't listen to that person anymore or look at their stuff anymore. Um, do you have a philosophy on like where to draw the line uh, with anything like that, or I mean, yeah. maybe another easier way to talk about it is just like the ethics of being an artist and like m- like how to be responsible. Um, those are two very like vastly different ways to approach the question. But. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, you know, I think, uh, I think, 
people who are just given an unbridled amount of power yeah you know they go they go crazy and they they just they don't realize like how sick with power they are yeah. you know and so just an unfair amount of power has been given to these most to men you know yes. <laughs> and like and um you know you know white men and you know or there's just there's just an uncompletely unfair balance of power and so like people who just have too much power abuse it yes. and that's just that's just how it is yeah always um yeah through history yeah so so um that's 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 part of the reckoning right mm -hmm. so it's just like we need to work on a power dynamic here like yeah. we need to work on those who have power and those who don't um so it's weird though like with i'm trying to think of like someone that i found something out and then i was like i'm not gonna right um, yeah it's tough i mean yeah. sort of put you on the spot like louis ck for example yeah um his his like when I hear him post that revelation, um, the work doesn't doesn't land like it used to, uh -huh. uh, or his his jokes or his comedy doesn't land, and it's like got another layer to it, and it just doesn't work anymore. It's like completely that information has completely affect, affected my experience of his work, and I no longer like it. Right, right, right. I don't know if there's anything like that. Well, for you. you know, I, see, that's the funny thing. Like, I just I saw whatever his last special was. Yeah. Was that like six months ago or a year ago I on TV? Sense, yeah. And I remember being like, this just isn't that good. Yeah. Like I kind of was already like, this is going downhill. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, boom. He's past his prime. Um, so yeah. So, so in a way I was like, oh, that was coming. Um, yeah. um, the, uh, I, I, I don't believe in censorship though. Right. And, uh, like. Yeah. There's a big what to do about that painter at the Met. The yeah. That, that I just, I just. There's no spectrum of opinion yeah. there for me. I'm like, you do not censor art. That right. is like, you don't censor art. Right. And um, the, it's a Baltus painting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And like a young woman, a young girl, adolescent with her skirt up. Yeah. I mean, he's always been in trouble for that stuff. Yeah. And, and also when people say this painting is about blah, yeah. blah, blah. Well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it's about that or something else but again like because it's about that it doesn't mean it's promoting it yeah, yeah, like that's yeah, the yeah. fundamentalism again yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know like <laughs> like we we shan't admit this exists yeah. you know <laughs> that's well said offends my sensibility that's well said and we can almost return it back to like the laziness of viewers sometimes yeah. like looking for this very simple equation as to the the why or the what i mean or the, the about do you really think like i mean we look at go to like a you know a museum painting from you know 1300 yeah. forward from europe it's like the bloodiest crucifixions like you know it, i mean if you really think about what the paintings of jesus christ are yeah they're paintings of a person being tortured yeah pure like, violence they're just so pure <laughs> the horror yeah that is being painted yeah right um and then the idea that you can't paint horrors or like i don't know yeah. it, it's sort of you know I would agree. I, you know, I believe in free speech and I don't believe in censorship. And um, I think there's a difference between, you know, someone viol like doing a civil rights violation and having free speech. Like right. there, I think there are those, there really are definitions in line. And, and the reason like sexual mm. harassment exists is sexual harassment is considered discrimination. Yeah. Legally. Yeah. And so that's, that's the difference. Like um, discrimination is different from, from, uh, 
free speech. Like yeah. those are totally different things. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like we can suss out where the difference is. Right. Like that's I think pretty established. Yeah. That's um, a good point. Um it's weird. Yeah, it's weird when those get conflated. Um I I mean I do I feel like there the the need for people to speak up and and I, that is real and I I you know I feel like I know how that feels to sort of be like I have this idea about the way things are and these things that are happening and I I feel like afraid to speak yeah um that's real yeah that's totally real and um so this outpouring of the need to speak and this outpouring of emotion is valid yeah um and inspiring yeah I think and I I hope the momentum stays with it I've been reading a little bit about the notion of a backlash or something and that's a little terrifying yeah but i mean i feel like i i grew up in the backlash to feminism mm -hmm. because when i was in high school in the 90s i think the most popular form of music was like gangster rap yeah and you know it was like you know the language of it and, and i don't I know yeah, that's I'm another great super, example of I'm something i can't listen to anymore general yeah. generalized but yeah. it's you know like you really listen to like some words that are like so misogynistic yeah. and like so, and there's also a difference between theater and creating art again, right. like censorship and, and what something really means. But the fact that like, you know, boys in my school were like going around singing that and like, yeah, yeah. you know, sort of indoctrinating themselves <laughs> with this, like, yeah, you know, I, so I feel like I grew up in this, this backlash to like feminism where all this stuff was, you know, and I, I, feminism wasn't okay, and right. I remember that it was a bad word, and it wasn't really taught to me in school. It was not really discussed when I was in graduate school right. at Columbia, 2004 to 2006. I don't think we had one piece of feminist literature assigned to us in our critical theory reading class. By the way, the people who taught those classes <laughs> were women who would call themselves feminists. That's outrageous. Yeah, it's crazy. And I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why, but... We I'm probably need another couple hours to try and unpack that. I, why? Yeah. The why. <laughs> but, well, I, I, yeah, I can get to why. But, like, uh, I'm, you know, it's nice that people are talking about it now. Um, I'm glad. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what keeps you coming back to here to work in the studio? I, I guess it's, I, yeah. I, this idea of satisfaction and when we're satisfied with our paintings... Um, I know the way that you work, I, it, for me, it seems like there's a beginning, middle and end. And you, you see that end coming again, rebounding my own experience. I, I'm trying to find the end and it, it suddenly appears or, you know, it's months away. Um, but like, are you, when are you satisfied by these things? And are, is the next one always an attempt to, to make a painting stronger than the last as a driving force to keep coming back? Are there, um, I'm just curious what you think on, yeah, on, so on this idea I, of satisfaction and returning so where I'm at like right now mm -hmm. is it's the end of the year. I just had a solo show in September ended mm -hmm. in October. Um, I know what my next thing that I'm working toward is right. But, um, so right now I'm just kind of like tying up loose ends. Yeah. I have some things started in my studio. I need to finish them. Yeah. And then you can see there's like all these blank canvases over there. You work best when you're, uh, when it's project driven. Sorry, real quick. Yeah. Like when you have something to work towards. Yeah. Okay. It helps. Yeah. It helps. And b before I even had real deadlines, I would kind of like make them up. Right. You know? Um, yes. Okay. And, um, so 
so so actually this morning I was telling myself okay this week I need to tie up all these loose ends and get that new stuff started because I I sort of have ideas that I'm anxious to get to yeah so that's usually it's like I need to finish this painting because I want to get to the next painting idea like I have this idea and I'm ready to go and so it's it's again it's like that I work for them yeah 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 <laughs> so so my boss is over there going get to work yeah, like, yeah. I want to I want to be made yeah. like I want to exist um so yeah my boss the the, the painting in my head that's uh, a great way to frame it um yeah so it's it's kind of like I come yeah I'm compelled yeah um that's great. And, um, I, you know, I just, I haven't really had that thing where I haven't had that stuck period in a really long time. Well, that's great. But I've had, had it before. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think this might be a great place to, to round it out. Okay. Um, we've been going for a while and I want to thank you for being so generous and talking about your work in this way. Um, it's really beautiful stuff and for me as a viewer it's like such a great these paintings are really great for me to to get lost in them and find something eventually for myself and i appreciate that about your work so um yeah thank you for sharing and for participating in this project thanks 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 emily We've made it to the end. A quick reminder that listeners can learn more about this project and the artists featured by visiting deepcolorpodcast.com. You can also show support by making a donation via the PayPal link and subscribe to the series in iTunes. Thank you for listening and check back soon for a new episode.